Blog Talk Radio.
the Big Apple, New York City, showing us how we can educate our children using rap music. I believe it was KRS-One who, I'll paraphrase, said it, paraphrase said that if rap music can damage our community, then it can be used to heal our community. Paraphrase of KRS-One, and that's Mr. Henderson doing his thing to bring that dream to fruition. Well, welcome to Our Own Voices Live. I am your host. Rodney Smith, and I think we have another good one for you today. And a big shout-out to all of our listeners. Uh, last week we talked about is there a void in leadership in the African-American or black community. So big shout-out to all of you who listen in, not only to the live show, but to the archive show. Well, today we're going to sort of play off of that just a little bit because what we're going to talk about uh, today is something that, really is just as important. And what we're, the title of our show today is Black Agenda, Hillary Clinton, and our last topic is a black-owned marijuana dispensary in Las Vegas. Who would have ever thought? So let me tell you a little bit about Our Own Voices Live before we get underway. Our Own Voices Live is a radio show featuring people and stories from our community in Las Vegas, the surrounding area, and someplace near you. America is the greatest country on earth due to its culture diversity and not in spite of it. Our mission is to help bridge the culture and ethnic divide in America by working together to build the greatest bridge in history to unite us. Some of the ways we do that is with shows like Our Own Voices Live. We also have Our Own Voices the digital and print magazine, which is what kicked it all off, and that was an effort to educate ourselves on our own history and culture, to educate others on our history and culture, but also to learn about America. And I claim America. This is my country, and I'm not going any place. And you can't kick me out, and I'm not running. My family helped build this country, so as far as I'm concerned, we may not have paid for it with dollars, which you made up, but we paid for it with our blood, sweat, and tears. And a whole, they did a whole lot of hope for folks like me that can have a better life than them. So for their sacrifice, you're stuck with me, so you're going to have to deal with me. Well, there is so much in the news to talk about. Uh, starting off first with Our Own Voices Live, it comes to you every Saturday at 12.30 p.m., on the West Coast, and that's 3.30 p.m. For those back east listeners, big shout-out to the folks from the D, that's Detroit. Yeah, I'm talking about the original D, the 313, you know, later on the 248, the 586, and we just go down the line. Oh, big shout-out to the Saginaw listeners there. Thank you very much. Also to my Chi-Town folks. Oh, man, I appreciate all of the texts and the going on there because, you know, we, we talk about Black Lives Matter, and we talk about Black Lives Matter from – how it should matter to other people. But uh, there was a T-shirt that I saw on a Facebook page. And pretty much that T-shirt said, it takes the hood to save the hood. Well, you know what? I'm from the hood, and I believe in that T-shirt so much that I may get some printed up myself if I can't find out where to buy them from. Because if we want to save ourselves, nobody's going to save us but us. If we've been waiting for somebody else, we can stop waiting because help has not arrived. If we want this, we better be willing to work for it. I'm willing. 
I hope you are too. So Our Own Voices Live is an effort to share our voice because it is ours and we should own it and we should be proud of it. But we need to hear it and other people need to hear it too. So we're going to talk about some of those things today, not just Black Lives Matter, but we're going to talk about the black agenda because you know what? It's one thing to march and rally, and I'm all for it because it does serve a vital purpose, but at some point you've got to get to the, the, the work to make things happen, to make things change. And in Las Vegas, we've had potential presidents, basically running campaigns, come to our city. And what have we told them that we want? What is the price for our vote? Do they even know? Do we know? So we're going to talk about that in the Black Agenda segment. And also, speaking of voting and candidates, we're going to talk about Hillary Clinton. She's been in the news a lot this week. She visited our city, and she talked to Black Lives Matter, stations with Black Lives Matter. What do you think about Black Lives Matter as an organization? We're going to delve into that because we think, like I said, the hood is going to have to save the hood. And then another episode, another uh, topic today is a black-owned marijuana dispensary in Las Vegas. That's right. You heard me right, a black-owned medical dispensary. And we're going to try to get to that at the top of the hour. Well, as many of you know, this show is not a show that I do on my own. As a matter of fact, it would not be a show had it not been for my co-host, Mrs. Angela Thomas. Welcome to the show, Angela. Hey, Rodney. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to Our Own Voices. Oh, we got a lot to go over today. I mean, we got the black agenda. We got Hillary Clinton. We got the black-owned marijuana dispensary in in Las Vegas. And and what does that mean to our community? But there's been so many things in the news. I mean, Angela, as you know, uh, this is uh, the anniversary of the Hurricane Katrina. And that falls right in with the black agenda. Uh, who would have ever thought that in America we would see other Americans stranded waiting for help after a natural disaster? Well, Hurricane Katrina was that natural disaster. Could you disaster. believe? Absolutely. It was a storm of storms of of my your generation, I I don't ever think I've ever seen a, a storm that um, we watched the play-by-play of it ravaging uh, the community of New Orleans. I've never seen devastation. My husband and I were in New Orleans a few years ago, and to take that tour bus ride uh, through New Orleans, and, um, well, we did many tours, but... Honestly, every tour that we took, Rodney, you could still see the water lines. Uh, The effects of Katrina were still very, very, very present. Uh, In fact, we were in um, one memorable moment. We were in Jackson Square, and um, we were walking past one of the – just one of the buildings, uh, historic buildings in Jackson Square, and it was still closed uh, due to um, due to 
you know, it, it, it had been so damaged by Katrina, and you could see the water lines, uh, the kind, a few of the kind workers at uh, Cafe Dumont, the, the famous beignet uh, place, showed us you know, how Katrina affected their business and, and, and their uh, actual structure, showed us the water lines and showed, you know, pictures of what they what they came back to. Um, in fact, I my house is filled with uh, art. If, you, if you've ever been, well, y'all ain't been to my home, but I, maybe I'll take a picture of one of the, uh, one of the many pieces of art that I bought uh, in the Jackson Square uh, vicinity. They have a few art co-ops there. Uh, but one that everybody comments on when they come to my home is um, it's a funeral procession, a traditional uh, second-line funeral procession done on roofing paper. The artist that uh, did the artwork, she went all over New Orleans, um, all over Louisiana, she said, actually, um, and collected roofing paper and began to do her artwork on the um, on the roofing paper. And everyone that's been to my home that sees that piece, they always comment on it. What is that? What? And when I tell them the story, you know, behind the art and and how uh, the uh, young artist this this is what she does. She she uh, creates portraits, traditional. Um, uh, New Orleans scenes on this roofing paper that she found throughout New Orleans and all over the state of Louisiana. So um, it's nice to be 10 years out of it and, and look back, but it is, um, you know, when you see that footage, you, your your heart just beats. My My heart just, you know, still beats fast and, when I was there in New Orleans, the people were so sweet and so wonderful, and we had such a, a a great time in New Orleans. I tell you, that was the best vacation he and I had had in a long time. We were down there for uh, three weeks. Uh, we were there a week before. We went for the Essence Festival, but we were there a week before the Essence Festival, the Essence Festival, and then a week after. And um, it was just the best time. What a city. Well, it, it is good to see that there has been a lot of bounce back with uh, since the storm, but it's not back though, from what I understand, not a hundred percent after all of these all of these years. But that storm, you know, one of the things I say is whenever you have issues like this, what did we learn from it, and are we any better prepared for the next one today than we were for Katrina back then? Uh, well. I hope, I, yeah, I don't want to paint the picture that New Orleans was back because, as I said, every tour that we took, you could see the the effects of Katrina and no way were they 100% back where they were pre-Katrina. And uh, everybody was uh, in full acknowledgement of that. Um, one of the most, interesting uh tours we took was the well it was two. It was the, 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 the one where you go to the graveyards and, and then the one that took you through the ninth ward and you got to see the water lines well above the roof and the um the X's 
on the door, the X's and the numbers on the doors of the homes that are still that were still uh, waiting to be um, bulldozed. So, but and then you also saw a lot of vacant lots of homes that had prior, you know, had had sat there prior and, and had already um, been torn down because of Katrina and um sitting on that bus there was a hush that came over all of us on that bus we just you just couldn't be, you couldn't believe it and you you tried to marry what you were seeing right then in front of you with the images that you saw on television on CNN um those horrible horrible days um during and after the storm, you try to to marry. I, you know, for me personally, I definitely try to to marry those images, and you know, it it brings you to tears to know how many people lost their lives and how many people, you know, just will never be the same. Our community right here in Las Vegas, we inherited a lot of Hurricane Katrina survivors right here in Las Vegas. Um, some of which I am friends with now. And um, I guess a lot of people would be surprised to know that there is a huge community of Louisiana folks here, not just Hurricane Katrina survivors, but they they have a great connection. The folks from uh, Louisiana have a great connection to um, Nevada and have done some important work. In fact, um, God, so many. And it's a lot. It, it was a lot, and it was a lot to see. the The uh, graveyard tour tour was very interesting to see too. The um, most of you know, everybody knows that they don't. They bury their dead above sea level. Is it, Ronnie? Mm-hmm. Yep. I think I'm saying it right. Yep. But uh, but uh, so to to see those um my those great monuments to people's loved ones shifted and you know um they talk about some of the displacement of the dearly departed and how much work it took to get things together. And it was it was if if you've never been to New Orleans, I, I I encourage you to to go and see for yourself. It is really a sight to behold. This Sunday, uh, ABC ABC's uh, Robin Givens will be who is from Louisiana. She's a Louisiana, and she will be doing a special this Sunday, ten years after uh, Hurricane Katrina. So. They've been GMA, and you know, with her has been doing a a lot of um, taking us back through that footage this week. And um, I like what she did. She went to Louisiana, of course, but she also went to Mississippi, where the where Hurricane Katrina first hit ground, and uh, revisited some of those folks. And just some of the stories are are incredible. So I encourage everyone to to tune in Sunday night. I think she's going to do another outstanding job. 
And Angela, what's some of the other big happenings uh, in the news, both locally and around the country from this week? Well, we've had some some doozies. We've 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 been in the news cycle quite a bit. Uh, we had, of course, Hillary Clinton here to at the Pearson Center to talk to African Americans, uh, and um, ended up <laughs> talking quite a bit quite a bit about the uh, email server gate, um, and and being quite. Uh, I guess uh, kind of upset that she was being questioned about the email uh, situation. And, you know, all week this story has been unfolding more and more and more. Uh, Some of the interesting points about the email server situation, it turns out this server is, was being was on the the company that this serve, server was being operated through is a small uh, mom pop type organization and they kept the server in the bathroom closet and in a um, in a uh, loft that they lived in and um, you know just in the bathroom chilling in the closet next to the sheets or something. So I wonder, was it next to the sheets or the soap or the by the toothpaste? But in the bathroom in a little condo in, Del- I think it was Delaware. Uh, so we had that. We also made international news on, our, on what I thought was the quirkiest kind of story about us, our Madame Trousseau Museum exhibit is housing the uh, Nicki Minaj Nicki Minaj statue, and uh, they had they've been in the, in hot water all week because people have been taking some rather p- provocative pictures with her, and um, <laughs> Madame Trousseau had to release a statement and. Um, post extra security to stop people from taking such sexually explicit pictures and and sharing them throughout social media. So, now, Angela, yet again, Las the, Vegas is trending. Angela, explain, give a description of this of this uh, wax figure of Nicki Minaj and what what the uh, well explain the pose because that's what's attracting the people for partly so. Well, it's a it's a pose. Uh, her pose, the pose she selected is is one from her hit video Anaconda, you know, her hit song Anaconda with the the sample from uh, with Sir Mix a Lot's uh, Baby Got Back. Well, she did Anaconda using that sample, and uh, it's her on her hands and knees, looking very Anaconda-ish. <laughs> So she's in a so sexually suggestive Some uh, of the pictures that I. Uh, so she's in a sexually. Some people well, might say consider if your a mind work like that. If your mind. Yes, if your mind work like that, I could see you easily going that route. Yeah, I guess. Okay. 
Well, most of us, at least us men anyway, uh, have minds that work that way. But some of the pictures were actually of women uh, in suggestive poses yeah, with I, the wax figure of Nicki Minaj. Uh, yeah, most of them that I saw were of women, like, licking, looking like they're licking her butt and, you know, in between her legs doing other things. Uh, I, I, I saw a lot of very provocative things, <sighs> probably uh, five or six photos of, of, of some very provocative uh, poses. Now, so, what is the outrage uh, about, though? What, what's the issue? Because Nicki Minaj, is, her her image is of what people used to call a, a sex kitten. Uh, her songs, Anaconda being one of them, was suggestive of something, like you said, if your mind works like that. If your mind works like that, I guess you could put it there. Um, I, I, the controversy is about... Uh, what people are going in this public um, a place of, of amusement, what people, how sexually provocative people are being. I think it's really a great, uh, it, I think it would be a really great uh, story for our erotic museum to to pick up. I don't, I don't think there's been a, a wax figure that's been more uh, controversial on the on the um, platform of sexuality and eroticism. Mm, okay, so Very pretty much it goes it goes right along with her uh, entertainment persona. Well, Anaconda was a huge song. It was a huge song in her career. Uh, every artist that's depicted in the Madame Trousseau's, uh Wax Museum. They curate their piece themselves. They pick their poses. They pick, you know, they make sh- make sure the costumes are authentic. They they are very active in how the truth, you know, how how their image is dealt with. And and Nikki is very, um, I would say, next to Madonna, she's probably the most uh, prolific. Manager of of her ear, of her image, her Beyonce. There's no one. There's there's no two uh, females, female music artists for sure, on the planet that are more in charge of their image than they are. So so because what part of what the controversy is is from what I've read, is why would you know they, they have a this black uh, female figure posed in such a suggestive manner. Why would they do that to her as if Madame Tussauds is the one who picked this image and and did it? But from what you're saying, oh, no. it's not Madame I, I, Was that Tussauds. a news story? Was, yes, that was, that was a news story. No, that, and that was, a lot of, uh, that was a lot of the commentary, a lot of the comments. Actually quite a, uh, I know that was a lot of social complaint. media. Yeah. Uh, well, a lot of people may not be familiar with the process of being immortalized into in, into the uh, Trousseau Wax Museum, but nowadays, modern the, the, this modern uh, process of being inducted into 
the wax museum, Madame Trousseau's wax museum, uh, every artist, every actress that that they depict, they are a part of that. They are a part of their image, unless they're post-mortem, and then family and the owners of the estate uh, handle that. Like Tupac, I think he was post-mortem when he was immortalized in uh, Madame Trousseau. So the estate and the family, you know, chose how uh, he was depicted. So the, a lot of the, the poses, complaints. the the attire, the reasons behind it, yeah. So a lot of the complaints have been a from lot of black complaints. people talking about the suggestive pose as if it was something that was done sort of in disrespect, but in actuality it's something that was done with uh, the consent of the artist, in this case, Nicki Minaj. I would go even further, not just the consent, but the cooperation. They picked the poses. They picked the costuming. They picked the hair. They picked the the skin tone. I mean, they're they're fully involved in in their wax figure. Okay. Well, that's that's a, a little. And Nikki is and Nikki is very good. I, I just want to say this about Nikki Minaj. Nikki is very good. She she really knows her audience. And she, you know, I'm I'm sure when she she decided to to pick that pose, she put a lot of thought into it, and and quite possibly, uh, put it out to her uh, on her social platform. She does that often, even with picking songs for the album, picking artwork for the album. She she often surveys her audience. What should she do? What do you guys think of this? I was thinking that. What do you guys think? It hit me back. She's very much like that. She's very in tune with her audience and very interactive with her audience social media-wise. Okay. Well, there's been a host of news events and activities that's happened in our community. We're going to give a brief station ID as we are waiting for our first guest to come on because uh, the and we'll get into the topics. You're listening to Our Own Voices Live with your hosts, Ansel Thomas and Rodney Smith. Our topic today is the black agenda, Hillary Clinton, and a black-owned marijuana dispensary in Las Vegas. And we do have a special guest to come on to talk about that dispensary uh, right here, uh, well, actually right about now. Uh, for those who would like to call in to leave uh, uh, a comment or have a question, you can dial area code 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600. And if you would like to comment, press option 1 on your keypad, and that will let me know to uh, make your mic hot so you could chime in to the discussion. And um, once again, our topic is the black agenda, uh, Hillary Clinton, and a black-owned marijuana dispensary right here in Las Vegas. What does that mean? What does that mean? How many jobs will it create? How will it benefit the community, especially those who need relief and haven't been able to find it in what some would call traditional medicines? Uh, we're going to try to to get into all of those questions and and maybe more. So give us a call three four seven eight two six nine six zero zero three four seven eight two six ninety six hundred and press option one. Uh, you know, Angela, there is so Can much that goes goes on in the, in our community. This marijuana uh, dispensary 
is the first in Las Vegas, obviously the first mm-hmm. in Clark County, and I believe the first in the state. And this is, and just to be clear, for those of you who are used to getting this from your local street pharmaceutical salesperson, this is not that type of marijuana. <laughs> this is medical grade no. marijuana, and we'll find out more specifics here shortly. And this is, you're going to have to not just walk in with Benjamins, you're going to have to walk in with some ID showing that this is something that you're authorized to have. This is for medicinal purposes. In other words, it is medication, and it is prescribed. Uh, we know many people who have PTSD oftentimes are prescribed medical marijuana as a relief, certain pain ailments, uh, certain other ailments, including cancer. And I'm Epilepsy, sure we can get some more of those. cancer, a lot of things. And those, Diabetes, those uh, a lot of things now. And we, we want to talk about that because it is a necessity of, it is a drug. It is it is a drug, but it is, a, it is also a medicine. And from this medicine, there are some people who can get no relief from whatever they're going through from traditional meds, but marijuana in this medical form is the relief that they need. And they passed laws here with the legislature and obviously with the county so that they could implement and have medical marijuana dispensaries right here in Las Vegas. And in about 30 seconds, we're going to hopefully bring on our guest uh, to talk about that. And, Angela, why don't you go ahead and and kind of do a a soft introduction and talk a little bit about uh, medical marijuana. Well, uh, a a little bit, a little bit that I know about cannabis, marijuana, Mary Jane, uh, as it pertains to the the topic, uh, in 1937, we was outlawed in the United States um, by a gentleman by the name of Harry J. Uh, Asselinger. He was the commissioner of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics. Uh, he... Got the, he started doing he started uh, doing these uh, campaigns through the news and a film called Reefer Madness. I, I had to watch the film uh, during my studies at film school. Uh, film called Reefer Madness. The newsreels were called uh, Reefer Madness. Also, uh, in 1930, he started in 1930s with this campaign. By 1937, uh, marijuana. Cannabis was outlawed. Cannabis up until that point was um, prescribed by doctors and mixed and, and, you know, often administered by a pharmacist in America. And it was to aid in in many uh, things like cocaine, uh, like like cocaine as well. It cured uh, uh, migraines and you know, it was kind of an all-purpose drug for many ailments. And um, 2,000 doctors have been polled. Uh, there was a recent uh, study released in the New England uh, Journal of Medicine where they polled over 2,000 doctors, and over 76% of those doctors agree 
that it's okay to prescribe medical marijuana to uh, patients that need it. That's an uptick of like 46% prior, uh, five years prior. So uh, attitudes have changed a great deal, to say the least, about medical marijuana. And so with our community changing uh, in in respects to dispensaries, uh, License licensing process is, is done, and we've awarded our licenses, and now we're seeing uh, the dispensaries open in our community. We thought it would be a good time to have this conversation. Well, uh, so without further ado, I'd like to introduce Aisha Goins. Welcome good to the morning. show, Aisha. Good afternoon, actually. Good afternoon. Thank you for having me. Good afternoon. You're welcome. Thanks for coming on. Talk to us a bit. Well, I, I, I'm excited. I just want to jump right into it. You ready? Yes, I am. All okay, right. Well, let's let's get let's get into it. We have so, a medical marijuana dispensary. Can you tell us one what actually that is? What does it mean? What will it sell? Okay, in the city. What did it take you guys to get there? Uh, ooh, that's a couple of questions. Okay, I'm going to start with what a medical marijuana dispensary is. <laughs> so in the, in the state of Nevada, okay. there are um, three licenses that are made available. In a lot of different um, legislatures, they voted it. They called it different things. So in this city, a dispensary would act as a pharmacy. So basically you would go to, like, CVS and you'd get all of your medication. Well, when you come to a dispensary, you're only coming for medical marijuana medication. Um, the other two licenses that the state has, excuse me, the other three licenses that the state has is also a cultivation uh, production, which is what production does is they produce the marijuana. So a cultivation grows a flower, and you'll hear me often call refer cannabis to flower and not necessarily weed or what other people call it. Um, in our industry, we do call it flower. Anything that's not flower is production, which means that it's a tincture, an oil, a dab, um, any of those other items, an edible and then the a testing lab, which is one of the most important um, businesses in the whole industry because they are the ones who ensure that we're giving quality and non-filtered um, medication to our patients. So I consider them one of the key components of the industry. But we are a dispensary in Nevada. We just received our license. Um, we will. We are the city's first. We are also the state's largest. We are black-owned and black-funded. Uh, I've been in the process since the application. The application process started about two years ago. Uh, <laughs> this has actually been like the longest business venture I've ever been involved in. There are three owners. I act as the assistant to all the owners, which kind of puts me right in the middle. Um, I'm a consultant by trade, so they <laughs> <laughs> they hired me as a consultant, and now that the business has come to fruition, and I, my goal is to actually be able to be an industry consultant, so I'm going to become an employee for the business. After 11 years, I'll have a job. So after 11 years, so now I'm going to be an employee of wow. the business. <laughs> and this way I can actually, you know, know the industry from application 
to manifestation. So that's my goal. But that's where I am right now because people are always like, they're always saying, Aisha, Aisha, in this industry, that's I'm the consultant. Um, and the, I'm basically the assistant to the owners, and, the you know, the process took two years. Wow, two years. Okay, talk to us a little bit about uh, some of the highlights of the of the two year process uh, for those who are listening to us that are that that admire the fact that this is black owned. It's in one of the the most premier cities in the world, and it's the largest in the state of Nevada. Talk to us about the highlights of the two year process. That's a long commitment. It was a very long commitment. So I'm gonna. I remember the very first time um, one of the owners said that we were going to do the business. I actually remember like it was yesterday. He came to me. Um, I was working on a different project <laughs> with him, and he came to me and he says, uh, have you read this article that's sitting on his desk? And I was like, nah. And then my mind was like, why the hell would he want me to read an article about <laughs> marijuana, right? And he says, I want you to put this in a binder. <laughs> and I was like, put it in a binder? So now I'm really confused, right? And he was like, I want you to read this uh-huh. article. I want you to put it in a binder. And this is just the first binder of many binders to come. And he said, I suggest that you become I'm really sure. aware and educate yourself on this process because this is where we're headed. And that was actually August. Wow. So I just celebrated a birthday. That was August two years ago. And I thought the man was crazy because he's a straight-up businessman. He's, you, you know, he, although he's a risk-taker and he's been known to be a little eccentric, I just knew that was a stress. I was like, this is not happening. But sure enough, um, I put that binder together. He goes like far, he but not me. that far, huh? Yeah, not that far. That was just crazy. I was like, this cat. And I remember leaving because I'm a Christian woman, and at the time I was in minister's training. And oh, wow. I remember leaving, uh-huh. saying to myself, if I'm going to do this, there's going to be some real changes that I'm going to have to make in my life, including my mindset, because I was completely against it. I, You know, I had been taught marijuana was wrong, and if you got high, you was going to hell, and, you know, all these different things. So, right. you know, personally, what people don't understand about me is I'm really And let's face it, we've my, seen drugs. We've seen I'm go sorry. Ahead. Go ahead. That's okay. Let's no, face ahead. it. I was going to say, let's face it. We've seen drugs, uh, particularly marijuana, kind of be the the gateway to ra- the, what ravaged our communities too. So I think a lot of us share in your initial uh, gut feeling about it that, ooh, uh, uh-uh, I don't think so. And you know, if you actually do this, the, is so maybe this, not for me. This was, exactly. So if you do the studies, and I'm glad you brought that up, um, rumors will tell you that weed is an introduction drug. Right. Studies won't back that up. So, so what doctors will tell. So what doctors will tell you if you talk to substance abuse doctors, doctors, substance abuse doctors will tell you that. Yes. Um. Xanax and harbiturates are introduced are introduction drugs to opium and harder things like that. That marijuana, medical hmm. marijuana is actually Very an introductory drug to smoking. So say that again. Marijuana is an introductory hmm. drug to, did you say to smoking? Hmm. You mean like smoking cigarettes? 
Yes. So now most sort people of that it. smoke very interesting. Most people that smoke marijuana, substance abuse doctors will tell you most people that smoke so what they do now is they will offer medical marijuana as an intro to get you off opiates and barbiturates and other stuff. So really, so it's being used as a methadone to, oh, wow. Okay, all right. So that's, that's, you, you so that's just gave us some. Of, that's interesting. You, you just gave us some education. You just right gave there. us some facts. So that's the importance of <laughs> we doing We're quiet because it's sinking in. We're like, what? <laughs> that's the importance of doing the study. So people who... People who are medicating themselves with medical marijuana, they're not medicating themselves from with medical marijuana because they're trying to um, introduce themselves to anything else. What they've done is they found a substance that's, that they can use that has no effect on anything else. Because our bodies have cannabinoids in it, that's the reason why there are no different effects in cannabis. So you know how people say, because you can't and find study. Let me explain that a little bit to the audience. Let okay, me explain that a little bit to the audience. Marijuana is made up of two elements. Uh, one is THC, the psychoactive portion of marijuana, and the other is CBD, which is which is the cannab- cannabinoids, which we have naturally. Once you start injecting, can I say it again for me? Cannabinoids. Cannabinoids. Our bodies produce cannabinoids, but once you start uh, treat, uh, marijuana treatment, uh, your body will stop producing it because it, you, you're you're intaking cannabinoids. So, you know, I just wanted to give the audience a little background on what you were talking about with that. So, you have the THC and you have the uh, CBD. CBD is the medic- the medicinal part of marijuana. Well, it's all and is what it's, patients it's with cancers medicinal. and it's all medicinal. Let's, okay, you know, let's be clear. Well, it's just that they act differently. Okay. Well, okay. Break that down so for us. CB, break that down. So the CBD is actually an anti-inflammatory, and a THC is like you said, it's a um, psychoactive. So if someone had so if you met someone and they had uh, multiple sclerosis, you would want them to have, I would suggest mm-hmm. strongly that they receive something that was high in CBDs because it's he- it has an anti-inflammatory. But because they're dealing with pain, you want them to have a psychoactive thing because you want them to be able to relax and be in that space. So you absolutely would prescribe, you sure. would suggest, not prescribe, both. So it's all meniscal. It's just a matter of what strain is going to work for you, depending on what ailment you're suffering with. So for if you have anxiety, condition. like, yes. Okay. So I have anxiety. I have high-level anxiety. So I don't need anything that has a lot of anti-inflammatory. So I'm going to probably take something that's, which is a hybrid strain, which is high in sativa and low in indica. Indica is a strain that it, it's really a relaxation strain. It, you know, it'll probably give you um, – high levels of sleeping components, right? However, I I would be prescri- I would be suggested to take a sativa which is um it acts as coffee. So you don't have that space where you're really really tired or got to go to sleep, you're really ready to go in a day but you have that um relaxation feeling all at the same time. So that would be what I would take. 
Does that make more so, sense? Okay. Yeah, tell us I have a I have a question. Is it Go ahead. I was going to ask is it can you only take this product via smoking or are the dispensaries able to say make a a lotion where you can take it through the skin topically or um a cough syrup, you know, make it like a cough syrup or whatever. Is it like that with dispensaries or is it only taken by smoking? So I'm glad you asked that question because it gives me two opportunities. Number one, to explain the difference in licensing. So number one, a dispensary is only active retail. It's like going to 7-Eleven. And, again, the production is the one who would actually produce flour to what you're talking about. So, yes, there are – I'm not going to name all the ways. I'll just name a couple. Okay, so there are ways to take – medical marijuana outside of flour. Flour would be, like you said, smoke it. So you, there's an edible product, which, you know, now <laughs> the edible products is the new wave um, in the business and in industry. We kind of consider it the gateway to the new way of taking the medicine. The only problem with edibles is people who aren't familiar with medical marijuana are having um, responses to it that we didn't really expect. So, well, any time you eat something, it takes a while for it to in, um, to get into your system, right? Mm-hmm. And it's sure. because it's just it's just the process of sure. life. So edibles is the same way. What will happen is if you have never taken medication before, you would eat the medical, you'd eat the edible, you'd have a contact high, and then you would think that that is the high. But what happens is the medicine has to actually get through your bloodstream. So the delay is usually about two hours. And then once you've gotten it into your bloodstream, like anything that passes through your bloodstream, it takes a long period of time to pass through your bloodstream. So if you're taking edibles, you're most likely going to be in your medicinal state for about five or six hours. So it's not as easy to manage as it would be for flour. Now, also, you can vape. So another way, a form of um, taking your medicine is, really popular. It's called vaping. And what happens is it's just like anything else. Um, you know, if you have a sore throat and you put lemons and tea, um, lemons and vapor in a pot and you're getting the steam into your body, vaping is the exact same process. Sure. You're not actually embracing the smoke per se, but you're processing it so that you're only in um, taking the vapor of the flower. Another way is what they a new way is dabbing. So one a lot of people, if you've been medicating for years, because we have some, no offense to this age group, but we have some baby boomers who have been medicating themselves for years because the medicine is only being made available to them now, right? But so they've been self medicating for years, mm-hmm. and so the effects of smoking flour doesn't really help them anymore, especially with PTSD um, victims. So what we would suggest, what I would suggest is probably a dab or maybe, um, you know, something high intensity, which would also be like an oil. And when you, so in using those items, there are different mechanisms for it. They have the vape, the pen, which you guys see people, you know, um, the hookah pen, you guys are familiar with that? Uh, no, I'm uh, Yes, I am. I'm familiar with hookah, but I'm not familiar with a hookah pen. Is there a... Is there a difference? Then could you describe it? Yeah, so a hookah is just, you know, you put the 
coal on the pipe and then you're smoking it, but it's taken through the filter and all you're getting is the pure smoke. There's no um, nicotine in it. Well, it's the same concept with a pen and you have the ability to put your oils in there so you're not digesting any of the, which our stuff would be clean, but any of the extra. It would just be pure uh, vape light. And so we're suggesting because that it, it's an intense um, way to medicate. So if you've been medicating, that's probably a form mm-hmm. that I would suggest. And then they have the pill. So we have a lot of vegans, right? And I'm all for keeping people, because I'm all into holistic lifestyle now, the last two years. And so if you were sure. a person where you were all vegan and, you know, you really don't want to come away from your lifestyle, then I would suggest the pill form. And usually the pill form is mixed with coconut oil or um, so, uh, it's usually an all-vegetable product to keep you in your holistic lifestyle if you don't want to smoke. Because I really, I, I personally, like I said, I'm an anxiety patient, so I very rarely medicate. But when mm-hmm. I do medicate, I like to control my medication. So I, I'm a young child. You know, I always say this. I'm old school. I just roll. I still roll mine like a cigarette, right? I'm still buying paper <laughs> because I... <laughs> I'm not medicating often anyway, so when I am medicating, I want to control my intake. So you'll find that the other production sure. of medical marijuana is all about how you want to control your the way you want to medicate. Did that, that answer All right. Question? Well, that did. For me, Rodney, did you, have, did you want anything clarified? I, I got it. How do you think this will shape black business in the state and the city? As a business consultant, um, one of the most difficult tasks that I've had personally is um, maintaining my growth, right? This process has taught me Mm -hmm. so much about politics and legislature and, and, um, city communication and you know I have a whole new view on business and so I think knowing that there are two black owned medical marijuana businesses in this state there's an all black owned black uh, cultivation Mm -hmm. which is a growth and there's a black owned dispensary and I think what it does is it elevates our minds to say we really aren't limited and that you can work within the system to beat the system, and that, you know, the state and the city will work with black people to get them ahead. That it's not, you know, we have this idea Mm -hmm. that, you know, the world is against us. And don't get me wrong, it's true. However, there are opportunities where we are made available. And I'm going to, you know, I have to be honest. Our color is present in more places than you think. Because through this whole process, I mostly worked with men and women of color. The state, in the medical marijuana, um, they call it the uh, team. You know, it's a um, special unit is what it is. And there were men and women of color that Mm -hmm. we worked with. And they were, um, you know, they were working with us. They, They wanted us first just like we did. 
and they really, including the city council, including state legislature, everybody was just really rooting for her. Now, did we have to come up to a high level of excellence? Mm-hmm. You always want to perform at your best. And I will have to say we had to perform better. Um, but nevertheless. Of course, as usual. I, I, Of course. But it wasn't hard to arrive to the occasion. And I think that this will open doors and open mm-hmm. the eyes of black business owners uh, abroad and say, you know what, there is a door open for us to do business at this level. There is a door open for us to own industries that haven't we haven't owned in before. There is still a place for us to be first. Well, Absolutely. Aisha, I, um, I want to. Go ahead, Angela. Oh, no, go ahead. You got it. Well, Aisha, one of the questions that I had, and we we got a caller standing by, but before we get to that caller, you mentioned that there was different types of ailments that medical marijuana can be used for. Uh, One of the questions is, do you all have different strains of marijuana or, or, excuse me, of flour? And does a person come in? How do you know what or which strain to prescribe to them and in what amount to prescribe. So, you know, the doctor will normally say you're going to take uh, two milligrams of such and such a pill uh, two or three times a day, right? Well, when it comes to flour, if a person has ailment A, is it the same prescription as for ailment B? And talk a little bit about the whole prescription process. So there is no prescription process, and I'm glad you said that because it gives me an opportunity to kind of clear up some um, misconceptions. We don't prescribe anything we suggest. The industry is relatively new. You know, because of all the federal regulations on it, they haven't even – it's funny, I have a doctor. His name is Dr. Levy, and he's a substance abuse doctor. And he said the funniest thing to me. He said, you know what I find amazing? There's 9,000 years of studies on how to prove 9,000 studies, excuse me. There's 9,000 studies on how to prove that medical marijuana is not good for you, but there are very few to prove that it is. And because the federal government has such a huge um, stamp of disapproval on it, there hasn't been that many tests made available to prove or to um, substantiate whether it works or doesn't work for certain ailments. So there's no place or area for us to prescribe because you would be prescribing based on studies saying that it works this way. So what it does is it puts us in a position where we can only suggest. And what we would suggest is based on our own studies and based on our own um, you know, frame of reference or history. So if you were to come to me, let me answer this question. Yes, there are so many strains that I can't even begin to count them. And every day someone is producing a new strain to help an, ele- an ailment that they Coming up with a new one. Exactly. For example, Girl Scout cookies, it's a full CBD strain because it's used um, with young people, you know, with children. No, excuse me, that's Charlotte's Web. Charlotte's Web is a strain mm-hmm. that is used in children to Charlotte's help Charlotte's Web. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that strain is just straight Right, CBD. I'm very familiar with Charlotte's Web. Now, we mm-hmm. know a young girl in Reno. Which they thought uh, it was not even marketable. Yeah, they thought yes. CBD, the CBD strand Charlotte's Web is, is uh, developed from was not even marketable because most people 
need the, you know, the strand that's more HTC uh, pronounced. Right, THC pronounced. Exactly. So CBDs, and again, and Angela has said earlier, (laughs) yes, and it's, Angela had pointed out earlier, you can have topical um, CBD oils. CBDs are not illegal to sell across state line because it doesn't have THC in it. So if you know someone that has, because um, CBD is an anti-inflammatory, it works real good. You put it on your skin, it sink, you know, you, it sinks in your skin like any other oil, and it will relieve the pain. So we're in a space where there's not enough studies to say I could prescribe. But if I were to suggest to you and you came in to me with an ailment, I would give you, I would suggest a strain that I know is going to counteract whatever ailment you have. And as I used earlier before, I always use multiple sclerosis because I have a girlfriend who had her child had multiple sclerosis and she was, battling with all the medications mm-hmm. that she was taking and whether or not she should start giving her child medical marijuana as a um, as a substitute. And the funny thing about this child is he didn't stop taking it, and I have to crush this misconception also. Medical marijuana does not act as the agent for all of your other medicines. That would just be ridiculous, right? right. So there are some medications that you will still have to take. And in some instances, depending on what kind of pains you have, you medical marijuana may not be strong enough either. But I will say this young child was okay. taking like 20, 25 medications, right? Because they, you take one medication, they give you one because it gives you throw, it makes you throw up, right? So they give you a different one to stop you from throwing up. So now you're taking two. So that one gives you a headache. So then they give you a different one to stop you from taking, you know. So she, she had all To stop this. This makes my back hurt. So now I need something else. Absolutely. Exactly. Oh. It's, but we now have callers. To, we have callers okay. that are so you know. We got a couple of callers. I want to do a station ID. Um, you're listening to our own voices live. We have a special guest today, Miss Aisha Goins, here talking to us about uh, the medical marijuana in, industry and our new dispens black-owned dispensary here, the first and largest in the state of Nevada, the first in Las Vegas, black-owned. Um, she's enlightening us kind of blowing our minds with no weed. <laughs> but it's Saturday. We're on from 12, 12.30 to 2, and let's get back into the conversation. Uh, Aisha, I want to thank you so much for coming on, and I want to, um, if you have a few more moments to stay with us, we have folks on the line that want to that wanna talk to you. Go right ahead. All right. Rodney, let's bring in the caller. Well, until the caller gets on. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I didn't know that was good. <laughs> uh, how you doing? Hi, caller. I'm Angela, and uh, welcome to Our Own Voices Live. Thank you for calling. Hi, this is uh, Ty from Washington, D.C. Um, I had two questions. One's a more condensed question. The first one is, is that um, if it, the, the dispensary there where you are, does it sell uh, recreational marijuana along with the medical marijuana? And if it does, um, do they sell whole trees? That's the first question. And the second question is a little bit wordy, so I'm going to boil it down really small. Um, being that 
you got J.P. Morgan Chase and Wells Fargo. They're still kind of really tight-lipped with their policy about whether or not they will even entertain depositing the cash, even though, you know, you have a lot of states that say, hey, look, you know, it's legal here now. Um, do you think that that potentially makes it so the dispensary is only viable in certain areas within the country? Um Uh, so I'm going to ask, so the first question is, say the first question again. So the first question is, um, does your dispensary uh, sell recreational marijuana in trees as well? Okay, so recreational is um, is regulated through legislature because that is an actual law. So the state has to vote whether or not, or the legislature has to vote whether or not they want it to be recreational across the land, and that's just nationwide, okay? And what happened is um, Tick Sigerbloom, who is one of the leading senators for this uh, actual um, legislature, this bill, it's actually a Senate bill, he asked that it would go recreational. It didn't win a vote in legislature, so now in 2016 it'll go to the ballot, and the ballot will vote whether or not it will be recreational in 2017. As it stands right now, because we are only medicinal, what, it, what that means is we only sell medicinal and you must be you must have a medical marijuana card. The difference in our state and any other state is you can have a card from anywhere and we will honor that card here in this city. Oh wow. So that is a difference um here than any other place. But I will tell you this. It wouldn't be in my and yes. this is just the truth. According to state legislature you can um only hold two and a half ounces any one fourteen days and you can only have twelve trees um, growing in your home, but it's because I'm a dispensary, it wouldn't be in my best interest to sell you a tree. Right. So, right. Um, and then the second, and the answer to the, the answer to the second question is always the question I always get: What about the cash? So here's the issue: I like cash only business, right? Cash is great. Cash is not a bad problem to have. The problem is not being able to use the cash for credit. <laughs> so yes, we will be an all cash business. But the owners that we have are very, obviously, because, you know, typically you need to have tons and tons of money to do this business. So the owners that we have don't have a credit business, a credit issue. So cash works for us. J.P. Morgan and across the board, so that you understand it's a really quick education, the banks are are, um, allocated through federal government. Medical marijuana is not federally regulated. So because of that, the money is not allowed in federal banks. So that's why it's an all-cash business. I hope that answered your question. Oh, 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 yeah. Um, it, it really quickly, and, and I promise I won't talk no more. <laughs> um, what, what I was talking about with the scarcity, because of the, such such the interpretation of of the guidance, the little what they call guidance, you know, and it makes the banks, you know, not want to entertain it, even though it is legalized in certain areas. Do you think? That because it'll be so hard to get, it's not really hard to get. You get on the street, but I'm saying you, you know, what I'm saying to get legally, they have to go to the places that have the resources to actually mm-hmm. put it out mm-hmm. in, the, in the in the laws that allow them to do it. Do you think that that'll create a phenomenon for the kids um, with this K2 spice stuff and just out? There's not even real marijuana. I mean, if they can't get it, you know, I mean they're gonna get it anyway. But I'm just saying. Do you, I don't foresee K2 Spice actually be making it past um, what you know of it now. One of the main reasons is because, um, let's just be clear, youth are going to try 
and error, that's what we do in our youth, right? They trial and error, trial and error. That's the whole part of them being youth. But I think that um, I'm going to say well, kudos to our police. Can we, can we clarify for the audience? So okay, we can, can we clarify for the audience what spice is? Spice is a yeah. synthetic marijuana, correct? Yes. Okay. Spice is a synthetic marijuana. And, like, and, and you know, I want to say kudos to our police with not taking away the war on drugs, right? Because the war on drugs is a real war. And if anyone believes that the war on drugs really just stopped with the medical with marijuana, is just completely fooling themselves. The war on drugs exists. And now spice just becomes a part of that war, but it's not one of the drugs that we should even be looking at as having to battle because medical mar- because marijuana has been made medicinal and it's available in dispensaries. What we should be focusing on is, like I said before, we should still be focused on the habituates. We should still be, not the habituates, excuse me, but the um, the other drugs. Because the word escapes me right now. The opiate-based be drugs. Are you yes, are you saying the opiate-based opiate drugs? Yes. 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 We should still be, so you know, the oxycontins, the, the oxycodones. Yes. Because yes. those okay. children can get that right out the cabinet. And those, those for the audience, those, those, those pain meds, those are pain meds, and they're more widely used for like cancer patients or chronic back pain people, chronic pain patients, and uh, they, they're very popular on the street, like any other drug, I guess. Yeah. And they're easier to so. get access to. A lot of people's prescriptions are, and, and this is, I'm going to end it right here. A lot of, when you are finished with your prescription, sure. if you're not using it, you should be throwing it away. You should be disposing of it. So we don't do that, and that makes it available for the synthetic items because they're just mixing them all together. Mm-hmm. Please, yeah, please don't throw it away. There are, are now services at your pharmacist. Wherever you pick up your pharmaceuticals, you you can take it back to the pharmacy and uh, put seal it in a bag, and they will ship it for it to be properly disposed because you don't want it in your waterways and, and yes. your um, municipalities. We have a huge problem with that. So it, it causes trouble in other ways if you just, like, throw it down the toilet or something. Thank you very much. But you're, but you're right. We should be uh, looking at those things, uh, a patient that's taking an opiate-based from what I researched, it's a patient that's taking an opiate-based, patients that take opiate-based um, pain products are 46% higher, 46% of them uh, could have some uh, over-medicating problems. So that's pretty high. Um, that's a high rate. Can you talk to us a little bit more about um, the business of being a dispensary in a city like Las Vegas? Everybody knows us. Everybody loves us. What does it? What do you think it will mean? I mean, I know it's, it just opened. What do you think it will mean? Uh, tourism, since that that was news to me. I didn't know that we honored other states' cards. So, what do you think it will do in terms of tourism? Uh, you know, it's funny because it's all projection, right? And we sure, hear often sure. in, 
this business is not like any other business. It's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of work. I show up to meetings now dressed in stretch pants, flip-flops, and a tank top, right, because that's how we're all dressed. It's not even a um, – right. <laughs> the standard of business is completely different. However, uh, mm-hmm. they keep telling us, you know, you're basically making your own money. Uh, I know – we're not focused so much on the money. We're really focused on the patient care because that's really why we got into the business, why we all agreed to get into the business, um, mm-hmm. especially the owners. They really were, you know, focused on that. However, I will say this. Like any other thing that happens in Las Vegas, we're going to do it bigger and better than it's ever been done before. I'm very proud of the city and the state. Although it's like jumping over hurdles and obstacles to get licensed, I'm very proud of them being mindful of how structured it needs to be so that they're offering the best to our patients here in this state. But I can guarantee that this is going to be Mm -hmm. nothing like we've ever seen before. And if in 17 we go recreational, there's no turning back. Okay. Well, we have another caller. Before we go on to our next caller, uh, Ty, thank you so much for calling, especially all the way from D.C. Did um, you have it, did you get your question uh, thank answered? Thank Okay, I think I, I know Ty's still here. All right, so we're going to go on. Uh, and, Aisha, I want you to go ahead and finish your thoughts, while, uh, and then we'll bring on another caller. All right, Ty, thank you for calling. What I was going to say is the taxes, the city and the state have put taxes on it, and a portion of that taxes will go to education, and we mm-hmm. all know that our education system could use the money. So I'm really looking forward to being a part of that as well. Well, that's exciting. We definitely need um, all hands on deck for the um, school system here. Um, let's bring in the next caller. Caller, are you online? You tune in to Our Own Voices Live? Well, we're bringing them on board. While we're bringing them on board, I'll give the audience the um, contact information and address, the name, all of that. Facebook the page, everything. Is, the name of the business is Nevada Wellness Center. We're located at 3200 Valley View. Our phone number is 702-470-2077. We have not posted hours of operation yet, and when we do, they'll be uh, flooded through the the news. However, you can reach us on Facebook at NV sure. Wellness CTR, and that's Facebook NV Wellness CTR. So if you want to keep up with us and see what's going on, um, feel free to add us. And We're trying to educate people. That's really what we're doing, so... And, again, the address is 3200 Valley View. You're more than welcome to come check us out. Um, I'm holding back on our license right now just to make sure that, you know, we offer the people, uh, not just patients, but the people at large an opportunity to see our facility. It's really beautiful. Oh, my gosh, it's so beautiful. you got to come see it, Angela. I'm sure. I mean, that's what we do in Las Vegas. (laughs) <laughs> That's what we do in Las Vegas. We we have beautiful spaces here. That's for sure. Can you talk to us about the process? Okay, I, I, walk me through. I'm a marijuana uh, patient. I'm coming to the dispensary. What will I encounter? And I walk through those um, doors. So 
$3,200 view. When you first come in, you'll be greeted by one of our intake specialists who just operates any intake in any any doctor's office. She will take your information and put you in the system and then just make sure, you know, is this your first time? Have you ever medicated with marijuana before? And if you haven't, we have consultants on hand. Um, we One of our consultants is actually pre-med, and so she is looking forward to being mm-hmm. able to consult her first patient, you know, and um, and they will walk you through the different forms and the different strains and whatever ailment you're suffering from. They're going to try to help suggest the right dosage and the right strain for you. And then you will, after that, decide which one you want to get purchased. You can go to our um Sample. Now, I'm gonna, let me be clear. You can't taste any of the products here in the city, but you can smell and view the products. So you, we have a beautiful viewing area. Um, it's lit up. It has mirrors, and oh, it's just fantastic. And the team there will help you smell whatever strains that you've been consulted to look at. And then you go to our uh, bud sure. tenders, which is industry standard for cashier. And our bud tenders will get your product for you, and they mm-hmm. will make sure that you understand what you've received, you understand your suggested dosage, and they'll kind of make sure you have all the paraphernalia items that you may need to do your dosage. And then after that, the service is complete. We have a, we are the only one in the, in the nation Wonderful. right now that actually has a um, digital information center. So we have 11 computers that will actually uh-huh. walk you through um, cannabis, cannabinoids, THC, and then all the other terminology and explain strains and hybrids and sativas and indicas. So you really should just come and listen to oh, that. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. So we're, kind, we're excited, um, but we're really excited. Aisha, we have care. Andrew. I'm sorry. I'm, ex- I'm excited for you. We have another call. Andrew from Africa. Welcome to Our Own Voices Live. Hey, glad to be on the show. Uh, good to be on the show. Uh, thanks for uh, having me on. Thanks for coming on. You're welcome. You're welcome. Thank you for calling all the way. What? Where are you in Africa, if if we can ask? Uh, I mean, I mean, <laughs> it's interesting. You should what ask country? that because uh, I'm in I'm in the United States of Africa. Okay. <laughs> people pe- people for, okay. people forget that there's this, people forget that there's this like huge region called the Union of South Africa, just like there's this place called the Union of the United of the of the States in in America. United States of America, United States of Africa. Sure. Yeah. So, uh, so that's where I'm at. Right on. What's your question? Oh Wonderful. no, I just wanted to make um, a comment. That, what's your question? Uh, I just wanted to comment that the yeah. show is very well made. Um, I really like the quality of the show, and uh, yeah, I wanted to find out if it was possible to uh, rebroadcast some of your shows on on a network I'm putting together called the Radio Africa Network. Um, so yeah, that's the uh, that's just the only thing I wanted to call in and ask about. But I like the topics and I like the way that you guys are uh, putting the information across. Well, thank you well, very thank much, you. Andrew. Uh, a, a lot of the hard a hard work goes to 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 this young man right here, Mr. Rodney Smith. And we would love to talk with you, you know, a little bit offline to find out more about your your network. But we're always uh, striking syndication partnerships. So thank you so much for thinking of us and and uh, listening to our broadcast. That's wonderful. Thank you guys. I look forward to hear the rest of the show. Thanks to all the listeners for all the support and uh, for what they're doing to get the alternative media out there. And uh, let, let's see what happens next. 
Right on. All right. right on. Sounds good. Th- thank you, Andrew. I appreciate you the call. Add something? All right. Thank uh, you. Keep well, guys. That's awesome. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, that's pretty nice. So, so Aisha, Aisha, we got you international now. We got you. We got you in D.C. nationally. We got Bam. you internationally in Africa, and we got some other listeners uh, on the phone. <laughs> uh, you know, there's so much to what you're doing now, uh, and, and I, I don't know all the ins and outs with the laws, but can you tell the folks who are listening uh, the name of the uh, business, where it's located, and how they can get in contact with you? Absolutely. Again, the name of the business is Nevada Wellness Center. We're located in 3200 Valley View in Las Vegas, Nevada. Again, our phone number is 702-470-2077. Um, I'm usually in the office, so if you, you know, if you want to call and ask me anything or you want to stop by um, until we, re, you know, we're licensed. So we, I need to explain something. We, I have not posted our licensing because once we do that, sure, then we're closed to the public. So if you want to come visit us, you need to come visit us in like Explain the next week. Explain that. Okay. Um, Explain that. Once you post your license, you're close to the public. What does that mean? So the exactly. dispensaries are the dispensaries are patient only. And so unless you're a patient, oh, okay. once I we, see what you're saying. Once we have our license, you cannot come in. Okay, got it. All right, so it's so, show and tell now. There's a huge open house, and uh, come in now before you put the license up and only patients are allowed in. I get it. That's deep. It's a whole process to this. Very interesting. And, Aisha, can you repeat the uh, well, the address we, and the phone number? Do you have a website also? Uh, we have a website, but we're not releasing it. Um, we don't want to release until <laughs> until we get closer. But I do want to say, if you don't mind, I want to congratulate the owners of Nevada Wellness Center. I want to just let them know that I and I've told them. Oh no, I want please to let do. Them know, I want to let them know that I'm extremely proud of them, and I'm so grateful to be given an opportunity to be a part of history. And I'm so appreciative that they trusted me so much with such a huge task. And even though I was my mind was like, this is the craziest thing I've ever done, and I was scared out of my wits. They allowed me this opportunity, and so I'm just so appreciative, and I'm so happy that they are who they are, that they're black men, and they are um, who they are in the city. And they have, we had over 3 million community service hours in the last 10 years with those three men. $3 million worth of community wow. service hours. And that just speaks volume about wow. who they are in their community. And so um, I'm almost teary-eyed just thinking about it, but that's really why they were able to do what they were able to do is because they're community-minded. And so I just want to really, you know, say how appreciative I am because they did this because they love their community. This is why they've done this. And, and we are Nevada Wellness Center is the name of our business, and, again, we're at – 3200 Valley View. Um, it's off of DI in Valley View. If you want to come see the facilities, I'm usually there from 10 to 5. I'm usually there earlier, but I'm going to open the doors from 10 to 5. 
and you can call me at seven zero three four seven ten to five. <laughs> ten to five, but you can call okay. me. Okay. Um, how much longer? How much longer do you think the? How much longer do you think the open house will be, and then you you get to give the number out again? I will be putting the license up in, on Friday. Oh wow! Okay, so now people move it. <laughs> okay, give the number out once more. Seven zero two four seven zero two zero seven seven. And you know, Rodney and Angela, I'm so thankful that you have me on the show. Um, I've actually been running away from the cameras. I've just been coaching everybody to, you know, take interviews. I haven't been seen on an interview just because there's so many different things going on and. Everybody knows I kind of play the back scenes to things, but I just want to let you know I appreciate your service to the community and who you guys are and being consistent in your radio show because that's one thing we are not is consistent. So I just appreciate you doing that. Oh well, you well, are thank quite you so welcome. much. I want I felt it was important to to have you on. Um, it's history making. Um, we're lucky that we have you guys in the community and we we get to rub shoulders with one another at different community events so we know each other a little bit and um we're you know I'm proud of you proud that you stuck out this two year process and congratulations on accomplishing the goal cuz you're right consistency is key and it's it's hard to uh overcome some of the obstacles sometimes and thank you again, and Rodney, thank you. And, so kudos and you know, I'm congratulations. Looking forward to, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to serving my community, as usual. And Angela knows that's my first heart in my community, so it's just another opportunity. So I appreciate right. it. Well, thank All right, you young for lady. joining us. Well, thank you for coming on to Our Own Voices Live. And, uh, it's let's been my pleasure. Uh, thank you. And we're going to see you on the other offline. side. And we'll see what we can uh, do to uh, continue building our relationship and how we can get this uh, valuable information out to the community. As you know, I'm associated with veterans. Uh, many veterans are, who have PTSD uh, are prescribed uh, medical marijuana, but they may not be know that you're here yet. So would love to help you uh, be able to find those folks so that they can get the treatments that they need. It would be my pleasure. All right. Have a good day, Aisha. Thank you so much. All right, young lady. Make it a great day. All right. Bye-bye. Wow. What is, you know, it it is awesome. I learned so much. I thought the research. Go ahead, Angela. I I, I was just saying I thought the research that I did, I I learned so much in the last couple of days of looking over uh, content about this interview and just learning about marijuana. I, I had no idea Mary Jane was this this deep. Uh, the Charlotte's Web, Web strand that she spoke to of marijuana, uh, I had the opportunity to look at a documentary on that young uh, girl, Charlotte, who was out of New Jersey. Her family in 2013 had to move to Colorado in order to try uh, marijuana therapy for their daughter who suffers from a uh, rare um, a rare case of epilepsy and uh, she was having up to 300 epileptic seizure, seizures in a day a little five year old baby and she was the youngest patient 
um, that was receiving medical marijuana, and all of the doctors in Colorado actually refused their family initially until they met and examined little Charlotte and saw how severe her situation was and that the family had exhausted every other option with traditional medicine, with diets, with acupuncture. I mean, they really had tried it all. And within one dose of giving little Charlotte one dose of uh, marijuana therapy high in the uh, CB, CBW, uh, low, low C, C, CT, HTC, but high in the CBW uh, part of uh, strand of, of marijuana. She is up and active with her twin sister now, and, and as far as I know, uh, suffering very little from the seizures. Is kind of incredible to see. Well, we medical marijuana is apparently here to stay, and we know that it's already used for medicinal purposes in Colorado. Uh, we'll see how this impacts uh, them moving forward to be uh, ch- changed to recreational use here. But one of the things that we didn't talk about much on this segment, and maybe we'll talk about on another segment, is how will this impact the so-called war on drugs? How will this impact arrest rates in the African-American community, as well as addiction rates? So there's probably a, a, a lot more to this story. But today we want to focus on that this uh, dispensary is opening up, that it is uh, for medical or medicinal uses. And for a change, it is African-Americans who own it and don't have to worry about going to jail for selling it. So that is a slight twist on this particular issue. So big shout out to Aisha for being on the show today. Uh, you all are listening to Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live comes here every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. And that's 3.30 and, out east. And thank you so much for our East Coast listeners. We had uh, Ty all the way from D.C. Uh, that called in. We also had international uh, listener and caller and Andrew from, as he called it, the United States of Africa. I actually like that quite a bit. And uh, yeah, appreciate your call. Appreciate I love you that. listening to the show. Uh, we're actually running a little long today. My apologies for that, but it was just so much to cover with the medical marijuana. And hopefully we'll be able to get Aisha back to, as once they open in the business. I'm sure they'll be overflowing with business. But we, we had a couple other topics today, and one was uh, Hillary Clinton. And then our, our third topic, which we're going to come back, we're going to talk a little bit about it today, we're going to squeeze it in, and we'll do another segment on it, was the black agenda. And so, Angela, let's let's talk about, uh, let's give us some time to Hillary Clinton. All right. Well, where you want to go? Hillary Clinton was here in uh, Las Vegas earlier this week, and she made her uh, appearance and, and plea to the African-American community at our very own Pearson Community Center. And there was a nice cross-section of America there. It was every nationality, although this was a, a specific event to the African-American, you know, African-Americans for Hillary Clinton um, event. Everybody was welcome, and everybody came out. It was uh, a, a lot of people in there. It was certainly more than 
what looked like was there for uh, Jeb Bush. And the topic that hit a lot of news outlets was the uh, the the private server issue. Uh, what's your thoughts on the private server issue and the BlackBerry not being government issued, so it didn't have the encryption on it? And, you know, the server was being housed at a couple's uh, home in their closet in the bathroom. What you think about that, Rodney? Uh, well, it, it is interesting that uh, Mrs. Clinton did come to the community. She also had an opportunity to speak with some of our uh, folks who were concerned about the Black Lives Matter uh situation that we have going on. As far as the, the mail service, what I think about is General Petraeus. Uh, and there was another CIA director before General Petraeus who uh, got in a little trouble for mishandling of classified information. And it's, she has somewhat of a, what seems to be a flippant attitude about it. Uh, Bradley Manning, I believe Private uh, Bradley Manning, who uh, goes by Chelsea now. Or Chelsea. Is in a federal um, penitentiary, uh, military prison, for disseminating classified information, which comes down to mishandling classified information. Uh, David Petraeus, some say, lost his uh, position as Director of Central Intelligence Due to uh, Mishandling and Having access to classified Information in an area Where there were other people Not cleared Uh, This is Not something that I think Is To laugh on I believe she's the Secretary of State She has access to some of the most sensitive Information this country has So I'm a, I'm a little missed at her attitude about it. But here's the, I guess here's the real question. She's under an FBI, I believe, investigation. And what if they do find out, sure. it's been reported, yes, I believe yesterday, that they did, she had said that there was no classified information that she had received or sent that was classified at the time of receiving mm-hmm. or sending it. And there's a report as of yesterday that there were classified documents and marked classified and was marked classified when she received it. Not only was it marked classified when she received it, but somewhere between her and her staff had exchanged hands. In other words, it has been disseminated even further throughout her organization. Now, if these allegations are true, that is something that is definitely not laughable. So I I would like to see her take this a little more serious. Uh, And one of the responses I heard one of her surrogates say was, are they Mm -hmm. going to persecute Hillary when the government was hacked into? They need to get their own house together. And I'll admit, when I heard that... Two separate issues from me. Well, when I heard that, I thought... When you heard that, why? 
I thought they must be in trouble if they're going <laughs> to use that rationale because that sounds like something that a child would say, well, well, you did it too or my brother did it too. But that was a malicious act. This right here was something that was done or allegedly done by mis- purposely mishandling the information. So I think that there's more we need to find out about this, and that is far from something to be laughed at. Well, there you have it. That's pretty much the whole kit and caboodle in a in a nutshell. Uh, there's a lot more to it, and we got a lot of work to do. Well, someone said to me last night, actually, they, they, they met with me, and they said, Rodney, since most black people tend to vote Democrat, means that they will probably vote for you know, Hillary to probably get their vote. Suppose this derails her campaign. Do we have a plan B? Now, that's assuming that plan A is to vote Democrat and plan A is to vote for Hillary. Uh, but I thought the question was interesting. Well, it is, it is definitely an interesting uh, question, and I think it's a, lot, it's a question a lot of people are apparently asking because that is in the news cycle right now. We have Biden to the rescue of the Democratic Party. And all the stories are popping up now of Biden considering uh, jumping in the race to um, be that candidate in case Hillary doesn't make it through. Well, once I heard uh, that topic, we had been talking, or I had been talking with some of the local folks that are organizing our Las Vegas Black Lives Matter chapter. And as many folks know, there has been no official Black Lives Matter chapter in Las Vegas. Uh, some folks from Unity Vegas, which is an organization that I've been associated with for some time now, we've done uh, at, at least one event together, and I'm still a member of their web page, their Facebook page. Uh, they had talked about putting together an agenda. And as many of our long-term listeners know, we actually have a Facebook page that we've had for years called what do black people want? The black agenda. And we've posted a black, the black agenda. agenda. Well, the, the organization that is coalescing into our local Black Lives Matter uh, chapter has come up. They've dusted off an old agenda and they posted it on their Facebook page. And I read it. And I, I, my comment to them was uh, something similar to, you know, it, it's a good start. And are we going to do the talk discuss this digitally and or are we going to have actual meetings on this? And then I also said to them, you know, there has been no shortage of agendas. I said what we've had a shortage of is action and bringing those agendas to fruition. So if we're going to, to, fruition. If, we're going, uh-huh. if we're going to put one together, that is a big step because that takes us beyond just talking. And that is a form of action. But then we have to act on whatever those topics are. 
And the reason why this is important, especially for us in Las Vegas, is we're one of the early state caucuses or primaries. So we're going to have these politicians that are vying for the presidency of the United States to coming through. We've already had, as Angela mentioned, uh, Secretary Clinton. Uh, we've already had uh, Senator Bernie Sanders. We've already had, uh, I believe, Ted Cruz. So these people are going to be coming here. Uh, Jeb Bush, uh, former Florida Governor Jeb Bush, came to the, the Dr. William U. Pearson Community Center, a uh, Las Vegas Urban League uh, property. Uh, to reach out to African Americans, well, and it, and I think it's great. Uh, I went to Commissioner Wheatley's town hall meeting with uh, his special guest, Senator Cory Booker, and one of the things that they both said is, we need to hear from as many people who are vying for a political office, and in this case, the presidency, as possible, regardless of party, so that we can legitimately compare and contrast what they're offering. And I would like to add that not only do we want to listen to them, but we also want to tell them. Because remember, they're going to be representing us. Representing usually means they're going to be doing our bidding, not the other way around. So I encourage, so the segment that we're talking on now is the black agenda. And, and I wanted to do this today, and we're going to have an ongoing black agenda discussion, is that this is something that we need to have. And it would be great if we had a national black agenda where we all had the same talking points, right? And we all had to, you know, we stayed on message because that's, what, that's how other groups get things done. But since we don't have it coming to us from some national organization, then sometimes there's an old bumper sticker that says that the people will lead, the leaders will follow. Well, that's the case is right now, and a lot of it is young people, but it's not just young people because some of us not-so-young people have been talking about this maybe even before some of the young people were born. And we're going to have to coalesce around each other, and we're going to have to put these things out there and come to some type of agreement so that we can establish a real agenda. And what I want to do, want us to do locally and, and every place that these candidates go, and, and not just with these, uh, presidential candidates, both if you're local and state candidates, is we need to tell them specifically what it is that we want. And then the candidate, not the party, but the candidate that is willing to work with us to bring about those things that we want, that should be the cost of our vote. So regardless of party affiliation, we should be telling them, listen to them, of course, but we should be telling them specifically what it is that we want. And when I say specifically, I'm not saying just say we need better education. We need more jobs. No, I'm talking specific. What is it that you need? What is it that you desire? What will make things better for you? As an example, we talk about Black Lives Matter. Well, we know that the police are going to conduct themselves as they, as they conduct themselves. What we haven't had in the past that we've talked about for years is we said that police oftentimes abuse their power. Not, not all, but it does happen. And the police says, no, that's not the case. And the general public normally sides with the police. Okay, I get it. But now with the advent of cell phones with cameras, 
people are recording some of these abuses. And what we want is not just people with cell phones to record it who happen to be nearby because there may not always be someone with a cell phone nearby. But we do want, and especially locally in Las Vegas, we want all law enforcement, that's North Las Vegas, that's Las Vegas, you know, the Metropolitan Police Department, the Las Vegas Valley, uh, Henderson, we want them to have dash cam and body cam. Because sometimes if you have a dash cam, you might miss something. Sometimes if you have a body cam, you may miss something. And then sometimes you have a body cam, you're so close, but the dash cam can show a broader picture. So both, And the cost, and this is what I've heard them say, well, we, it costs $3 million to do it. Well, get $3 million to do it. Whether it's in your budget or we need to do something else, this is something that's important to us. And here's how we can save money. Oftentimes people associate it, well, this is just so that we can sort of watch the police. Yes, it's definitely so we can watch the police. But it's also so we can protect the police from malicious activity. We know just as police abuse citizens, sometimes citizens abuse police. Well, there are law enforcement officials out there to do a job, and we want them to be protected too as they are doing their lawful duties. And a part of that sometimes is that people set up law enforcement for allegations of abuse when there was no abuse. Well, if you have a camera on it, then that not only protects the citizen, but it also protects the law enforcement official. One of the reasons why this is important other than safety is in I'm a taxpayer, and there are frivolous lawsuits against law enforcement for various reasons that are paid out of court because the police are not in a position to prove otherwise. So we need to, and I'm one who believes that the money saved in frivolous lawsuits and out-of-court settlements will easily pay for those cameras. And then what will those cameras do? We'll save even more money because at some point the police will realize that they're on camera and those, which is not all, it's some, those who would abuse their power can be caught, can be disciplined, the tr- uh, additional training can be provided to everyone else, and we can get rid of those who would cost us money. Uh, so the cameras are provide a twofold, twofold purpose. That's to protect the police and also to protect the citizens. And let me throw a third one in there. To protect my wallet from paying millions of dollars out for frivolous lawsuits as well as legitimate lawsuits against our police department. So these are things, this is just one thing that we can talk about. We need to be able to articulate those things. So we need to know it. We need to agree to it. We need to narrow the talking point down so that we can get it out there at a moment's notice to make sure it's some type of catchphrase. This is just the business of it. And do it. Um, When we talk about education, Oftentimes we talk about education and we talk about more money. Well, we know that more money does not mean a better product. The school year is about to start. Is there an expectation that things will be better this year versus last year for the minority and African-American community as well as poor? Is there anything that we did that was different? Well, if there's nothing that we did that was different, then whatever the outcome last year is, a good possibility will be the outcome this year. So we have to say more than we just want better education. 
what is it in education that we want? I've been one advocating for years that we need to have African-American history and culture incorporated and integrated throughout all curriculum, pre-K all the way through publicly funded colleges and universities. And I think that's huge. Matter of fact, I would say that's in the top of all things to be done in this country. That can be done locally. So the lack agenda is something that you would hear routinely on Our Own Voices Live. We'll try to designate maybe 10 minutes, if not every episode, every other episode to talk about it. Uh, one of the things that we have suggested our community do is read a book. And I know everybody doesn't like reading, but I'd encourage you to read this book. It's called Black Economics, Solutions for Economic and Community Empowerment. And it's by Jawanza Kanjufu. And you can read other books. But I wanted us to be, we have a community gathering, and you've heard us talk about it on the radio show, every Friday from 12 to 2 officially at the Westside Bistro, except the Fifth Society, and then we have it at TC's Rib Crib. And the reason why I wanted folks to read this book is because I wanted us to have a similar understanding that would help us get on the same page so that we can discuss this and articulate this thing with one another as well as be prepared to come up with some type of agenda that will benefit it. Aisha talked about having the wellness center and the three black men that own that wellness center, and she's running the wellness center. So that's four black people. So now there's a black woman involved. I don't know how many other employees that they have, but that just empowered at least two employees, at least, and that's changed their dynamic. How else can we use this capitalistic system that we're in, and regardless of whether you believe in it or not, it is what is here now, and we this is what we live in, and if we want things to be better for us, we need to know how to maneuver in it and use it for our benefit. So that this book, The Black Economic Solutions for Economic Community Empowerment by Jawanza Kanjufu, Jawanza is J-A-W-A-N-Z-A, Kanjufu, K-U-N-J-U-F-U. You know, it's a small book, but it has a lot in it. And it's not the absolute, it's not the only, but it is one. And it from that, if you read another one, the things that are in it are very similar. It gives us a reference point. It gives us a standard, and then we can move from that standard. But we have to have an agenda. So when these politicians come, and let's face it, I know there's a lot of folks who say, no, it's not about politics, it's about money. Well, let me tell you something. If you have money, the politician can take that money from you if the right laws are not in place. Just ask the many people who had money, property, land that was taken from them. They had it. They lost it because the laws weren't there to protect them. And just like you can have all the laws in the world, but if you have to go to court and you can't afford a lawyer, then you get a public defender and more than likely plead out, which 90% of all cases, criminal cases anyway, are plea bargains. And oftentimes it's because the poor are not able to afford lawyers to defend them properly. So we have to deal with these things as they are and not as we want them to be. So you have to have both. You have to have economics together 
and you also have to have your political house together. And having a political house together means telling people what it is specifically that you want and then holding them accountable. Also grooming people from your community to go forth and represent you. You know, many people say, well, just in case 2016 doesn't go our way, you know, there's 2020. Well, who says there's going to be a tomorrow? As far as I'm concerned, 2016, after that, there is no tomorrow. So it's what we do now that will impact us later. So the black agenda is something that you're going to hear more and more about here. Hopefully we'll set aside a 10-minute segment for it. You can go to Our Own Voices Live to comment on it. But you can also friend our page. What do black people want? The black agenda. And we can share some of the things. I'll post some of it on Our Own Voices Live. Hopefully you can post some of it uh, there as well because you have ideas that I probably don't know. Maybe I might have one or two that you're not aware of. But we do have to put those together and that's what I'm speaking. That's bring us down. Yeah, that's what I was going to speak to. Everybody put their idea up there. That's that was the spirit in which the page was put up. Um, our ideas are our ideas. You know, we spurred a conversation. Uh, as you heard in this broadcast, we have listeners from the United Africa and you know blackness all around the world tuning in and. You know, everybody in the community has a vote, has a uh, idea that can improve community, whatever uh, your ethnic affiliation. Everybody has a vote. So let's get the ideas up there, friend the page, and let's really begin to not just have the conversation, as Rodney said, but get to bring folks to task and get to work on ticking some of those things off the uh, agenda as done, so for the folks, completed. So for the folks who are in the chat room that don't know what the black agenda is, a black agenda, because there are many out there, is a list of the things that we believe that the black community needs to better maneuver in this community and your community, wherever you are. Uh, some people say, well, why do we need a black agenda when we just should have an American agenda because we're all American? And I would say that is an awesome concept, and yes, we are all American, but we are different, and there are similar needs that we may have with other people, but there's also some different needs that we have that could be not the same as other people, and we need to be able to list those so folks can know it and articulate that so that we can bring them to fruition. Go ahead, Angela. Um, I was just concurring with you. Absolutely. So I, I see you, uh, Mr. Nero. Background. Thank you so much for, for toning in. Uh, Info90, thank you so much for toning in your, and your comments on the uh, page. Yes, the black, uh, black agenda is in the title. Uh, we wanted to talk about the medical marijuana dispensary because that is a black business. And we know that we have issues in our community from the sale, illegal sale of marijuana. Well, how will this new, these new medical marijuana facilities help us? Or, or will they help us? Uh, what needs to be done to make sure that they are an asset to our community and not a hindrance? Because it was politics that brought those to the fore. It will be politics that bring more online or to keep them away. We should be involved in that. We should know it. 
How will this affect the laws in our community? Will this push us to decriminalizing marijuana? Should it? Well, those are conversations that we need to be a part of because if we're not a part of it, that don't mean the conversations end and actions stop. That just means other people have say, and the actions that they want is what we will have to react to. And I say instead of reacting, let's be the ones who are putting out the information first. Let them react to us for a change. Let's let us build up the agenda. Let us establish what they're going to be talking about. Uh, for those of you who would like to continue this conversation between now and next Saturday, you can go to Our Own Voices Live on Facebook, and you can also go to Our Own Voices on Twitter uh, and contact us, and, and we would love to, to see the ideas. Like I said, if you have an agenda item or item, doesn't make any difference what it is, then post it on what do black people want the black agenda. I mean, you can post it to our own voices live, and we can transfer it, but it will be a lot easier, and then you can read what other people have to say. We have to do this, and we have to go through the process, because it won't get done until we do it. Uh, there's a T-shirt that I posted on the Our Own Voices Live uh, Facebook page, and I used it on the event. And the reason why I used it is because oftentimes we talk about what other people should do, and yes, there is definitely a place and a need for what other people should do, but there's also a need for what we're going to do. You know, this is us that we're talking about, so we need to have an active role. And the T-shirt says, it takes the hood to save the hood. Well, we are the hood, right? So that means it's going to take us to save us, and we have to get active about that savings part. And that savings part means talking, it means documenting, it means planning, but it also means executing. It means sacrificing. We have to do it. Nobody else can do it for us. So once again, what do black people want? The black agenda. And I'm, as you probably can hear, I'm typing that right now. And I hope that you all will be able to go to it and let's share our ideas. And then let's move on. And, you know, make our communities the communities we want them to be. Solve the issues ourselves that we can. I mean, we all have something that we can we can offer. I think a couple of weeks ago I saw a uh, YouTube video of a doctor who on his breaks was break dancing to raise money for patients that uh, he was taking care of. They needed money for medicine and, and, and research and things of that nature. And he said, well, this is what I can do to bring in the dough and raise awareness about the um, issues and put the money behind it. Oh, I was just talking. So everybody to, can do something is is the reason I was saying that. Yeah, I was just you were talking, talking to talking to one of the, one of the callers on the line, and they wanted to know how could they get a hold of us so that they can continue this discussion. And again, I'd say go to you can go to our own voices live, which is our radio show Facebook page. You can reach us on our own voices on Twitter. And you can also go to this, the Black Agenda specifically 
on what do black people want, the black agenda, and would love to hear from you there. Uh, unfortunately, we only have two hours for our show. We actually plan to do 90 minutes, but occasionally we do go over like we did today. So thank you mm-hmm. all for uh, sticking by us for the length of the show. Thank you for all of the callers. Uh, I see all the callers that are online now. I tried to get to as many of them as I could. This is going to be an ongoing discussion, and it's just that, a discussion that's going to take all of us. Uh, We have a brain trust of over 34 million here in America and many more than that throughout the African diaspora. Let's get as many voices in as possible. But this is not something that we're just going to talk about and then continue to talk about ad hominem. This is something that we're going to talk about, we're going to document, and then we are going to execute. And if that execution means that I'm the only one out there working, then I will be the only one. But I anticipate I will probably be following a whole bunch of others before me because so many folks see that it is our, this is our moment, this is our time, and there is no tomorrow. So we need to make it happen today. Uh, Again, thank you all for listening. We will be back next week, 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. 3.30 out east. And you've been listening to Our Voices Live. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, we'll see you next week. And thank you so much, Angela, for being on the show. And thanks again. We'll see you next Saturday. All right. And for those of you in the chat room, thanks again. Uh, Let's move that chat over to Our Own Voices Live on Facebook and Twitter. And let's chop it up. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.